we are in our very last week, the very last week of the Ask the Pastor series. You guys have had some awesome questions. Um, I've had a lot of fun with this series. And uh, uh, on Tuesday of this week will be our last video, our last official question answered. And uh, our question on Tuesday is really fun. It's, uh, why don't we celebrate the holidays from the Old Testament? Uh, Why don't we celebrate the feast days and things like that? And yet, we do celebrate uh, holidays that have pagan roots. Uh, So, Maybe you'll learn something on Tuesday. Uh, It's going to be good. So uh, watch for that video on Tuesday. But this morning, um, I've lumped a bunch of questions together. Uh, um, One, two, three, four, five, six. I have six total questions we're answering this morning. And they all have been lumped together. I'm calling them all of the dying questions. Uh, Not just the immediate, what happens after I die, uh, but also like long term. We're going to... So... The six questions we're answering this morning are this, uh, and this is the order I'm going to answer them in. Uh, Do people go to heaven as soon as they die, or do they lie and rest until the rapture? If a non-believer dies and is separated from God for all of eternity, does that mean that the person's spirit goes immediately to hell? So you kind of see two sides of that same coin of right after you die, what happens? Uh, Do loved ones in heaven see us or know what we're doing? Uh, What is the biblical basis for the rapture? Uh, does a spirit in hell burn for all of eternity, or is it burned up and gone? Um, and then finally, um, does the torment of hell last forever? All right, so uh, you guys really loaded me up on these questions. Uh, so let me start with a disclaimer. Uh, and I've given you this disclaimer many weeks over this series already, but let me start with this one especially. Uh, Everything that you are about to hear this morning, the next 20 to 30 minutes, however long it takes me to go through all these questions, everything you're about to hear this morning is my best approximation based on scripture and research, and it's what makes the most sensible answer to me based on these two things, okay? Now, I say that uh, because I shared a few weeks ago that I... uh, I hate when people stand so firmly on a conviction uh, that they're rude about it. But when it comes to death and and end times things, it's a fool's errand to stand there firmly. (laughs) Uh, Because we have no idea. We have some ideas, but we don't have enough of an idea to stand there firmly and say, this is how it works. In fact, I would, uh, anybody who who claims to know these things without a doubt, uh, especially the things after we die, Christian or not, uh, is fooling themselves. (laughs) And the same is true of end times topics. (laughs) It's not the end times. We don't know. We haven't been there yet. (laughs) So when I answer today, I want you to know that I am answering with as much clarity and conviction as I can muster, uh, but even more so, I'm trying to speak with that humility we talked about a few weeks ago recognizing that we cannot know for certain how these things work. You could be right. I could be right. We could believe very different things. Uh, As I said a couple weeks ago, maybe we'll get to heaven and realize we're both wrong. (laughs) So that's my disclaimer this morning, all right? So anything I say after this point, uh, I don't want to hear it. Well, Pastor Chad says (laughs) this is how it works, all right? This is my best guess, all right? Because when it comes to dying in end times, that's the best we can do is our best guess. So let's jump in. Uh, The first two questions are very similar, so I'm going to lump them together. I think we have two sides of the same coin. Uh, 
how soon do you get to go to heaven? That's really what this comes down to. Do you, do you go right away, right after you die? Uh, or uh, do you wait a little while and then you go? Um, and then the same side for somebody who's destined not for heaven, but for hell, do they go right away and, or do they wait? And how does this all work? Uh, there have been books on books on books written on this topic. Um, in short, this morning, I think the answer to both questions is that, yes, there is an immediate change of location for a person's spirit. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And so Paul is making this, this distinction between, between the body and the spirit. And essentially what he's saying is that, that we, are a, we are a spiritual being uh, living in a humanly home currently. And that, that, that we, at our core, long to be back at our real home, which is with God. <laughs> He says, we'd much prefer to be out of this body and at home with the Lord. And especially when you consider that the Bible promises that when we get to be with the Lord, we get another body, a different body, a perfect body that is without illness or weakness, right? I'm hoping, I'm really, really looking forward to a body that when I go to bend like this, my knee doesn't lock. Because <laughs> I'm not even that old yet, and my knee locks, all right? So, so we know that this is one of our things, that we're going to have this new body. The body stays and decays just like everybody else's, but the spirit gets to go and be with God. And he says, we kind of crave this. Uh, and this is where, this is where I kind of want to make a distinction between uh, the heaven now and the eternal new heaven and new earth that we see in Revelation. Because the heaven now is being with God in perfection. We get to go and sit with God and the heaven then, our revelation one, is this perfect creation that's everything's been remade. It's a new heaven, a new earth, and it's, you can find that in the book of Revelation. In fact, I'm going to read a little bit of it in a few minutes. So I think, I think that uh, the answer is yes. You, you go right away. You get to be with Jesus. And uh, there are, really, there are two verses that, two sections of verses that lead me to believe that. Uh, the first is in Luke 23. Uh, Jesus is on the cross. And he, it says that one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he, the thief, turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise today. Now, there's argument over whether that's uh, today you will be with me in paradise or whether that's the I tell you the truth today you will be with me in paradise. There's argument over that. Um, from what I can tell, it's all semantics. <laughs> it's all in which one you want it to be. But at the end of the day, truly I tell you is a phrase Jesus uses frequently. Truly I tell you today is not a phrase that Jesus uses frequently. So today makes more sense to fit with today you will be with me in paradise. Not later at some point, but today. <laughs> and then in Luke 16, and I, I won't read you this whole, this whole story, but it's the story of the rich man uh, and Lazarus. And essentially what happens is they both died. <laughs> the rich man dies, Lazarus has died, uh, and this is not the same Lazarus, just for the record. Uh, 
So it says that uh, there, was a, there was a guy who laid at this gate forever, Lazarus. He was covered with sores. He was starving to death. Uh, and this rich man who uh, wouldn't do anything good for him. And so it says, the time come, the beggar died and the angels came to, and carried him to Abraham's side. So, so there's this idea here that the beggar, when, he's, when he has died, Abraham comes and escorts him, or the angels escort him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also dies. And then this... Uh, this conversation ensues where the rich man is in a place they call Hades. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Right? So there's no, there's no hint in this, in this parable that that took time, right? That, that the man was dead for a while and then he got to go be with Abraham. It's just kind of this implied, like he died, the angels came, they take him to Abraham. He gets to hang out in heaven. Now, there's a lot more to that parable, but that's the piece that is most uh, applicable to what we're talking about this morning. And I'll probably circle back to that in a moment as well. But here's why, here's, here's the other piece to this. The, um, the Catholic faith believes in purgatory, which is this in-between space. So it's like you die and you go to purgatory. And, and in Catholic belief, like in their, their books that describe what exactly is purgatory, they say the whole point of purgatory is a place for you to work off the sins that have not been forgiven yet. And as I read that, I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Romans 6, 10 and 11 says, The death he died, he being Jesus, he died to sin once for all. And the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ, right? All sins were taken care of. So what is there to work off? <laughs> right? So, so we don't believe in purgatory, okay? Okay. Uh, and where I fall on this is that uh, you get to go and hang out with Jesus until the time is right and you get to join back up with this perfect body and live forever in this great heaven and earth that he's created. It's going to be awesome. Now, that is, of course, uh, unless you're on the flip side of that equation, for those who, uh, who do evil in the world, they don't get to spend forever with God. They get to spend forever away from God which uh, you probably cannot imagine just how bad that would be because a lot of times we look around at our world and we think, where in the world is God? There's all this bad stuff happening. Well, guess what? We live in a world where God is still at. <laughs> okay, imagine a world where God is completely removed. All life, all good, gone. <laughs> and you get to go there immediately. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at on that. When you die, do you go right away or not? I think you do, uh, at least in part, right? Your spirit gets to go be with Jesus, and you get to wait for this great body. Uh, so then, once you get there, do your loved ones in heaven see us or know what we are doing? Uh, my, my answer is in three words, probably, maybe, inconclusive. <laughs> uh, here's why I say probably, maybe. Uh, in Hebrews chapter one, verse or chapter twelve, verse one, it says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us." 
So there are two possible interpretations for this. We're talking about running a race. So it's almost like you picture yourself in a giant arena and, uh, and you're running this race of life, <laughs> right? Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, this race away from sin and toward Jesus. And so he says, because we have this great cloud of witnesses, so you almost get this picture of like all the saints sitting in the arena in the chairs, uh, in the bleachers while you're running your race, and they're like cheering you on, which is a really cool picture, right? To think of somebody like Abraham or Moses or your grandma who took you to church as a kid sitting in the stands and cheering you on. It's a great picture, so could it be that they are actively watching us run our race? Absolutely. But could it also be in this verse that uh, in the chapter before in Hebrews 11, it has this, uh, we call it the hall of faith because it's all the people who are super faithful throughout the Bible. They give all these examples. Look at the faith of this person. Look at the faith of this person. Could it be that they're saying that all of these people were witnessing to us? All of the example of these people is, are witnessing to us. Their lives are witnesses to us. And because we have all of these witnesses, because we have all of these stories and examples of faith, that we should throw off the sin that entangles and run with perseverance toward Jesus. It certainly could be that too. And that's a little bit different than them watching us from one side or the other. But here's the other, here's the other verse that, that makes me think uh, probably maybe. Uh, Luke chapter 9, uh, it's the, uh, the transfiguration of Jesus in verses 30 and 31. It says that two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. So there's this sort of implied idea that Moses and Elijah have some knowledge of what's happening on earth because Jesus' departure is about to happen, <laughs> They have some kind of knowledge, and whether they got it from heaven or because they were watching, we don't know. <laughs> but I hope, I hope that when I get to heaven, that I am so busy hanging out with Jesus that I'm not really concerned with anything else. <laughs> it's not an offense to any of you, because certainly if I die before you and, and I get to root you on, I will root you on. But my hope is that, that the glory of Jesus is so great, I can't see anything else. <laughs> That's what I'm counting on. So probably, maybe, inconclusive. So we die, we get to hang out with God, maybe we get to watch people, inconclusive. What happens when it's all done? When God finally wraps up this, this chapter of creation, what happens then? What is the biblical basis for the rapture. Now, the rapture is something that most of us have heard of. We've thought about, um, you know, we've kind of made jokes about. I've, I, I, um, we, we, we tried to pull a prank when I was in ministry school. Um, we were supposed to have this meeting, and uh, the, the pastor uh, had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the meeting. And so, uh, so what we all did was we all, while he was in the bathroom, we all took our shoes off and then left. Like, we let, left them there you know, like as if we'd been taken. And uh, I mean, it didn't work. He just thought we were delinquent. Uh, but, but we all have this picture of like what the rapture will be. And part of it is because uh, the Left Behind book series was huge. Like Christians everywhere were soaking up the Left Behind series and this idea that Christians would be taken and everybody else would be left here to suffer. And uh, so, so the answer to the question, it, what is the biblical basis for the rapture? It actually has, uh, there are two 
two verses, two chunks, two passages uh, that lead us to the rapture. But I'm going to answer this question a little bit more uh, in depth than just where is it at. I'm going to I'm going to give you some idea of uh, of when I think that's going to happen. Uh, and just for the record, not like in time, but like in the order of things. All right, like it's not like the rapture is going to happen on Thursday, right? Like uh, prepare yourselves. Uh, so. The two, two passages, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, it says this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So see, there's another, they're already with Jesus. That's what makes me think they go there right away. Anyways, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So you see, that's where this idea of the rapture comes from, is this being caught up in the air together. Uh, and uh, and for, for, the, for our example of like your spirit gets to go be with Jesus, it's almost like this clash in the middle. It's like, it's like body meets spirit, boom, we're going to heaven, it's going to be awesome. All right. And then it's again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So that's where the idea from the rapture comes from, those two verses. All right, now, the, the real argument and where the, the unknown falls is when does that happen? Uh, because for some, they believe that it's a separate event from the rest of what plays out in the end times, that that uh, Christians get taken up into heaven. It's like this, it's like a secret society. Jesus comes back and he gathers up the secret members of a society and he swiftly takes them out of the earth and then he comes back. Uh, I struggle with that a little bit because really that means Jesus comes three times because he came once already and then he has to come back to get us and then he comes back again to take care of everybody else. So that's like a second and third coming. So I don't know how that would work. But... Uh, there are really four main arguments, and it requires a little bit of revelation knowledge. So I'm going to give you some of that right now, okay? Uh, so in the book of Revelation, there are a couple of sevens, all right? There's a couple of sevens, and there are these, uh, the seven, uh, what are called the seven seals, and then there are the seven bowls, all right? And the bowls are, are the bowls of wrath that are poured out, the wrath of God, but first comes these, these seven seals, and as the seals are broken, each has a different thing that happens, and something else new happens, and it's all wild and crazy, all right? It's all the stuff, when you think of end times, it's, it's the seals and the bolts. That's what you think of. So, so the, the, uh, the disagreement is, where does the rapture fall with the tribulation and the wrath? Where does it fall in this line? Now, what the Left Behind series advocates for is what's called pre-tribulation, which means, okay, so think of this on a timeline. I'm going to try to, in my head, I'm like, you guys need to see. Okay, so you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the tribulations, and you have this kind of middle period, and then you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the wrath, right? The bowls of wrath. So 
So what, what, what Left Behind advocated for was, well, why would God put Christians through a bunch of junk? That doesn't seem fair. So God must take them before any of that happens. He must take them first, then the rest of the world suffers, then we get to get to the new heaven and the new earth. There are some that argue a mid-trib, which is three and a half years into the seven years, which honestly to me just feels like semantics. <laughs> they don't want to go all the way to pre-trib, so they go mid-trib. And then there's those who go pre-wrath, which is right in the middle between the seven and the seven things that happen, the 14 things. And then there's post-trib, which is all the way at the end. After all of that has happened, then God takes his people. Okay, so... That's the main argument. Where you fall in that, and I'll just throw this out there now before I give my own thoughts, but where you fall in that does not matter to your faith in the slightest. <laughs> not in the slightest. And here's why I say that. Uh, you're already dead at that point. <laughs> it does not even matter to you at all. <laughs> Now, to be fair, if he comes back tomorrow, if all this kicks into place tomorrow, you won't be dead and you'll get to live through it and then you really will, then you really will get to see. Here's where I personally fall in this. I personally fall into a post-trib, the very, very end, and here's why. Matthew 24, Jesus tells his disciples this. So when you're standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel... Uh, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one in the housetops go down to take anything out of their house. Let no one in the field go back for their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened and at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a uh, carcass, the vultures will gather. And immediately after the distress of these days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Okay, so here's, here's why I fall as, as a post-trib person this morning. Uh, because he says, all this stuff is going to happen. Then that trumpet that we just talked about, <laughs> that the trumpet's going to blow and everybody's be gathered up. He says, then the trumpet will blow. Then the, he says, I will send my angels and they will gather the elect from the four winds from one end of the earth to the other. After all of this. He's going to gather the elect for after all of this happens. Now, I personally, I, I have a, uh, a deeply evangelistic heart. I want, I want everybody I know to, to meet Jesus and get the life that Jesus offers. And so, to me, this is good news. Because it means that when things kick off and when things start getting bad, I still got 14 years to lead people to Jesus. <laughs> 
I've got 14 years to help somebody else find some more life. <laughs> why? I don't understand why God would, would do all this stuff and not have an opportunity for people to still turn to him. Why would there not be an opportunity in the midst of this stuff where it says that it's supposed to be that we're seeing God in it? Well, who's going to lead him to Jesus? I think it's going to be us. <laughs> So yes, are we going to have to go through some junk? I think so. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Now, as I said at the beginning, that's my thoughts. If you want to be pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, whatever, you can be whatever one you want. <laughs> my intention is to love God and get everybody to heaven with me. I think it was a couple weeks ago... I, our goal is to make heaven crowded, right? <laughs> All right, last two questions. Last two questions. Let's lump them together because they're very similar too. Uh, does a spirit burn in hell for all of eternity and is it always torment forever? Uh, I will give you this. This is the one answer today that I am the least sure about, which is saying a lot uh, because we just talked about end time stuff and I'm way unsure about that. This one, by far, I am the least sure of. I'll give you this. My personal short answer is that, and I've worded this strategically, I am not completely convinced that hell is forever or the torment of people in it. Here's why. First of all, the punishment for sin is death, not torment. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Matthew 10.28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And then you have Jesus saying that he is the life, and so being away from him would mean no life. <laughs> but then in our very favorite verse in the entire world in the church, John 3.16, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So if, if heaven is our idea of eternal life, then hell must be what? The perish. <laughs> he doesn't want us to perish. So what I think happens is this. I think there is a, a season of judgment. Uh, in fact, in Revelation, it says that like, these people are, are drawn up and they're standing before God at the, at the great judgment. And it says that, that those... Oh, let me just read it for you. Revelation 21 says this. It says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God and they will be my children." But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and liars, they will be consigned to the, lake, the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. The second death. 
Can you even picture there's a death worse than the first death? <laughs> he says they're consigned to the lake of fire, which he says other, in another place in Revelation is the place that he kind of specifically designed and built for Satan and for the demons. And he says the people who are, who are murderers and liars and, and sexually immoral and vile and idolaters, and he says that's where they're going to end up. The second death. So to me, death lasts forever, but you don't get killed forever. Does, it, does that make sense what I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to get across? So I could be wrong. By all means, I could be wrong. And if, if I am, that's, I'm pretty okay with that. Uh, hopefully you are too, because that's where I'm at with it. Uh, for me, the more important thing in these questions about death and end times uh, is this. What do we make of all of these questions? What do, what do we, how do these questions affect us today in 2023 while we're still alive, while Jesus hasn't come back yet? What does it mean for us right now? Well, I was trying to find a way to word this, and I, and I worked all week. I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, there's got to be a way. And here's how I want to word it. My goal, and hopefully your goal too after today, is to make all of these questions about death and hell and heaven completely irrelevant. My goal is to bring so many people to life in Jesus that I don't need to know what's happening in eternal life because I already know where everybody's going and I already know we're all going there together. <laughs> My goal is to make these questions irrelevant by living a life that leads others to abundant life, connecting people to abundant life in Jesus so that these questions wash away in the knowledge that we're all going to get to spend eternity there together. Because at the end of the day, that's what heaven is. Eternity right next to our favorite person in the entire world, Jesus. I can't imagine anything better than that. <laughs> like, you, you know, you, we, we talk so much about what heaven's going to be like with the, the streets of gold and the no more tears. But I'm like, look, just give me Jesus. <laughs> just give me forever to sit with Jesus. I got questions. I got questions that you have asked me that I'm going to take to him too when I get there. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, I'm, I, am, I'm, uh, I don't like to get it wrong. I don't like to get it wrong. So I'm going to, some of these questions over this series are going to be added to my own personal list of questions for Jesus, because I don't know about you, but I keep a list of those. Like, here's what I'm going to ask Jesus when I get there. <laughs> and I'm going to add some of your questions to it, uh, be, partly because there's a part of me that thinks, I want to know Jesus, did I get it right or not? <laughs> and that's why, that's why I hold these answers so loosely. You know, especially on things like heaven and hell and the end times. We just don't know. We just don't know. I know that when it comes to hell, I don't want to find out. And I know that when it comes to the end times... I don't care when he takes me as long as he takes me. <laughs> Just don't leave me. <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of nugget of truth in that Left Behind series. I don't want to be left behind. So I say all of that because I really, truly believe that one of our goals as a church is to make a lot of these questions irrelevant. Who cares what hell looks like if we can make it empty? <laughs> 
So my prayer this morning as we wrap up this series uh, with the questions, my prayer really is that, that, A, you've walked away with some answers to some of your own questions that have been brewing in you. Maybe you've shared some of these questions that people have asked. But it, it's also, my prayer is that you would continue to think on these things. Don't, I don't want, and not just in this series, but any week, I don't want there to ever be a week where you walk away and you go, well, Pastor Chad said that, so that must be how it is. I'm, I'm just as flawed and at sometimes biased as anybody else. <laughs> We've all got our own, our own place that we come from. There's no way for us to not have a place we come from. So my goal is that you would continue to think on these things. Heck, if you want to send me an email this, this, well, this week will be great because I'm not going to be here. Uh, but <laughs> you want to send me an email this week and you're like, yes, pastor, but what about this and this? Okay. I'm not going to turn you down because I'm still trying to learn these things just as much as you are. Because for every verse I share today on why I stand on one place, somebody who stands in another place can share with you a couple more verses that back up their point. And it's because we do not know. You cannot know these things with certainty. Which is why I say this morning, my hope is that we make them irrelevant. We won't need to know because we just know where we're headed next. So continue to be inquisitive. Continue to ask questions. Continue to say, well, what about this? <laughs> Keep on doing that. Because being a learner, being somebody who, who, who constantly wants to take in new information and, and research and do these things, this is how we grow. We grow by asking questions. Let me pray. God, I'm thankful for this series. Thankful for all of those who uh, were brave enough to put their questions in and, and seek answers for these things. Some that are just curiosities and others that have been just deep and burning questions that they've had for a long time. And so, God, I pray that, uh, that all that we've learned and talked about in this series, God, that, that there would be something that just grabs at us something that makes a difference in the way that we live our lives right now. And I specifically pray this morning, Lord, that, that when we think about things like, like heaven and hell and death and, and end times, God, I pray, I pray that our goal would always be the same, to just connect people to abundant life in Jesus. That these questions would matter a little bit less to us because our focus is all the way on Jesus. Not on what's going to happen next week or, or next year or in many years to come, whenever these days come to be. God, but that we would just focus our eyes on you and never look away. So help us, God. Help us this morning as we seek to make these questions irrelevant as we seek to love you and to love one another. Help us, God, to find the answers that we need to the important questions, to the big ones. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.